Welcome to the Raw and Wild Hearts, a place where the raw, the unfiltered, the wild hearts gather to celebrate triumphs and hardships, learn from each other, grow together, and break down a culture rooted in fear. We will talk, we will laugh, and we will lean on each other about everyday life experiences that we could all use a little support through, and then we'll bask in the wild, magical beings that we are. My philosophy is that by embracing the dark, we may just let in the light. I am your host, Lori Rising, healer, educator, writer, adventurer, retreat leader, birth defender, and animal enthusiast and activist, along with my wild heart sidekick kitty, Jesus the Brave. We'd like to invite you to get excited about the wild heart revolution. Hello everyone, welcome to today's episode in my series called Laughter is Medicine, how Candace August answered the call to comedy. But before we begin, let me tell you about two of our finest local businesses to keep on your small business support list. One Love Cellars is a beautiful mother and daughter owned and operated winery here in the Willamette Valley. Check out their Instagram or website at One Love Cellars to find out where they may be pouring their finely crafted wines near you or head on out to wine country and spend some time at their lovely estate. With them, you will always feel like family. Also, Groundbreaker Brewery, one of Portland's finest gluten-free breweries and gastro pubs. Pick up a four-pack for your New Year's Eve celebration, or head on over to their pub for a delicious flight. I also want to thank you for your support. The only way grassroots businesses work is with your support, and it means everything. The Raw and Wild Hearts is always open to sponsors, so if you'd like to get your small business out there on the airwaves, go to the website at therawandwildhearts.com, and let's connect. Also, if you enjoy these raw and unfiltered conversations, please share the podcast with your communities, or just take a couple of minutes to hit those stars for a rating on your podcast app, or leave a review. You don't even have to make a pesky account to do it. Every review and rating increases the algorithm, which gets the podcast into the ears of more people. If you want to learn more about me and my offerings, you can check out the website for those as well. I have a lot brewing with this new expansive decade breaking through. I offer retreat workshops, and I'm actually headed to Hawaii for a really powerful one at the end of January to start the new year off. I also offer online consultations, so if you have Wi-Fi, we definitely can connect. Look for my No Holds Barred book about childbirth in late 2020, and I also offer therapeutic treatments and childbirth classes in Portland, Oregon. And of course, I use what remaining time I have to keep bringing you fun and supportive podcast chats. Yep, I am a busy, busy firecracker. So 2020, let's do this. Okay, on to today's episode, everyone. Oh my gosh. For anyone who knows me, and for all of you getting to know me, comedy is my lifeblood. Out of all the healthcare that I study and practice, I devoutly believe laughter is our best medicine. That's why I couldn't be more excited for this impromptu episode today. We get to hear one person's path to not only getting her funny on, but also how she answered the call to sharing it with the world. My guest today hails from the great city of New Orleans. She has appeared on Judge Judy and Amazon Prime. She delights people from all over the country at countless comedy festivals and was a finalist in the World Series of Comedy. She had me smiling from her first hello on stage. I am thrilled to welcome Candace August. Hello, Candace. Hi, hi, hi. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining the Wild Heart Revolution. This is so cool. I'm I, excited. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I do like to start with a toast or a prayer. 
to the Wild Heart Warriors in our light, especially in our dark, and in all of our magic and glory. May we continue to elevate consciousness through honesty, humor, humility, gentle care, soul-wrenching growth, and ownership. And to us, and to the healing power of laughter. Cheers. All right. Let's get into it. So first, let's talk about our history. I think we're about 20 minutes into this relationship. We are. (laughs) (laughs) It's been brief, but it's robust. Yes. (laughs) So I was immediately drawn to your energy, your smile, your laughter. You're here visiting Portland, our great city of Portland, Oregon, um, at at the Ha Ha Harvest Comedy Festival. That's right. Yeah, and I'm actually volunteering for the Ha Ha... Ha Say ha that, harvest. Right? It's it's like a tongue twister. Ha <laughs> Say ha it harvest. Fast three times. I, I can't. I cannot. <laughs> so I'm volunteering for them, and you actually performed the first night that I was there. Mm-hmm. I was blown away by your stage presence. Thank you. Yeah, you are so powerful. You were so at ease. You're so strong. Uh, you just it was, and you're welcoming. Your spirit is so welcoming. I was immediately drawn to you. I think you were probably sitting down for about two minutes after your performance and I came up to you and you came and talked to me yeah 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 I was like no fear I'm going in I'm glad you know what the the things that you have just said about my presence and about how I'm welcoming those are like the best compliments because that is what I want to be you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so I'm glad that who I think I am and who I'm trying to be is actually projecting out ah isn't validation amazing yes yeah it's so cool because yeah, I, I try to be like welcoming specifically is the thing that got me because I want to on the stage I'm trying to connect with everybody I'm trying to be like approachable and you know what I mean yeah and so if you felt that way then I'm, I'm doing something right oh absolutely even last night so last night was the second night and you were performing where I was volunteering again mm-hmm. And you came up on stage, and by then I was like, I don't know if she still wants to do the podcast, because we hadn't talked about it again yeah, yesterday. I thought you were canceling on me. No, I <laughs> I kind of felt like maybe it was too much, because you know, you had performances all weekend. It's yeah. a lot to fit in. And so you went up on stage, and I was like, oh, I really want her to be on the podcast. I just, you're just sucked in. Like I said, you have such ease with your performing. That's why I can't wait to get into it. I want to find out everything about it. Okay. I want the full history of how you are where you're at today. So when did you find your funny? So I've always been performing in my blood. I'm a very kind of, I don't know. I like to be the one that's kind of making people laugh, the one that's um, bringing joy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's just in my blood. My whole family is like that. Like my nieces and my sisters, if you ever come to like a family holiday, you'll see we're all like performers. Yeah. It's just... Just there's just laughter all the time all the time oh i love that and it's just it's just how we are you know yes but just performance is in our blood and then we channel it in different ways so my baby sister she was um in theater and uh my middle sister she's a mother and she has all of her kids doing like performing things like you know learning uh instruments and things like that uh-huh. and then for me it's comedy uh-huh you know so yeah. it's just like what outlet am i gonna pick for this performer that is in me and for me it's comedy did your parents foster the arts in M- the kids my parents were really big on one thing and one thing only and that was education uh-huh um the performing is just something that's in us you know they are, are always very supportive of it yeah. but it wasn't one of the things that they like a core value that they were like, oh, we want you to be in theater or we want you to do public speaking. They didn't, education was the one thing that they cared about. They were like, you have to go to school, you have to get a degree. Anything else that you do, 
it, they'll support it, but it, you know, they weren't really fostering the performance now. That's pretty amazing yeah. for their versatility because a lot of parents that are so hardcore about the education get mm-hmm. really worried about the arts. Yeah, no. You know, don't. for longevity and financial reasons. I guess my parents are like, well, if you have that degree, then you're fine. We've done our job. Uh-huh. You'll be able to, you know, you'll be employable. You'll be able to sustain yourself as long as you have this degree. And whatever yeah. else you want to do is up to you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that seems like a solid plan. I think so. Yeah, that's a good one. So back to when you were a kid, I do want to get to your degree. But when you were a kid, do you remember when you realized you had an effect on people? I'm still realizing that daily, yeah. as as you could tell by our conversation. Uh-huh. I'm still reali- realizing that daily. When I get up there on that stage, I'm just having fun, uh-huh. and I want everyone else to have fun with me. Oh my gosh, so much fun! That's like, what seriously, I seriously. You exude fun. Really, really. Okay. I like, can't. I'm I'm a comedy aficionado. Like I go to comedy all the time. I listen to comedy all the time. Like I said, I I find it to be healthcare. Mm-hmm. And you just had me from the start. And I was I was mesmerized the entire time you're on stage. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. And your flow. Your flow is so amazing. Like what I noticed about you is that when you came in, you came up with more jokes. You came up with Portland jokes. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I assume that that was probably a little bit impromptu when it you is. got here. I try to do that in every new city because yeah. like I um, you saw my my nerd list. I shared it with you. But whenever I'm going to another, a new city, I, I look up the things that there are to do there. I make uh-huh. it myself a physical list and yeah. I like check things off and go see them. So I had been going around Portland, checking off my Portland things. And yeah, so I made some, you know, comments about City of Roses and the donut shop and things like that. Yeah. I do that in every city because in every city, I try to go and see the things, their, their sites, yeah. you know? And so then it, it becomes, it's like your homework. Exactly. Yeah. So that becomes your material. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Well, I love it. Yeah. When you open up, you know, you, you want to let the people know, I, I'm enjoying your city. Here's what I've done. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's also a way to connect, you know, you don't mm-hmm. want to just start talking about yourself because, you know, when you, when you're a comic, your jokes are about you, right? Uh-huh. You're, st- you're telling your story. But before that, you want to connect with the audience. So mm-hmm. say something about their city, about what you experienced here. If there's a funny thing that you experienced when you got there, it's even better. But, uh-huh. you know, yeah, I do that in every city. So did you learn that somewhere? It's just something that you pick up over time. Uh So when you first start doing comedy, or at least when I first started doing comedy, and I assume that this is across the board for others as well, is you just stick to your jokes, the material that you wrote, and you're just like a robot just saying these jokes that I wrote. You know, you don't want to like veer off from the script. Uh And then as you get more comfortable Mm. and as you, you you have more time under your belt, then you start to just relax on stage Mm -hmm. and just talk. Right. And I'd like to think I'm maturing into that stage of my comedy where I just relax up there and I'm just I'm just shooting the shit like it's, absolutely it's me and you I'm yeah. talking to you. you I'm know. telling you, you're there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I feel like because you last night you even did more impromptu material because of the nature of the show that you did. Yeah. The hosts came and that show was wild, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> I don't even. I honestly don't even know how to explain it. But like, at the end of it, you're like, "What just happened?" I know. <laughs> I remember you were like doing charades with them and and so you did some jokes and then they stopped you Mm -hmm. and then they were doing jokes and charades with you or Mm -hmm. and then after that more jokes and then more jokes yeah so you really I feel like that could be pretty Mm nerve-wracking but when you have you're saying when you have that experience and that time under your belt 
uh, shows like that you can ease into a little bit more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And do you enjoy those kinds I of shows? I still would rather just do my jokes. Like I, I don't prefer to do like the themed shows when you're uh-huh. doing all kinds of other stuff. But that was fun. And yeah. uh, the the host, he asked me to be on the show. He was awesome. Yeah. Love him. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's I. Once you're comfortable on stage, you can kind of really do any of the things. But I prefer just to just me and the mic up there. Yeah. Yeah, I I love that. I love because you can apply that to anything in life. I feel like I have this golden key to knowing how to do things. You just practice. Mm, Right. Like, honestly, if you practice, (laughs) you can do anything. That's right. And so when you practice, you get comfortable enough, you know, in your, I don't know, performance or in your skill Mm -hmm. that you can be versatile in that way. Yep. But of course, we all have our preference for what what feels best. And we feel like what works really well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But all of it worked for you. Thank you. Thank I you can't so wait much. to see more. Thank you so much. I, I, and I am definitely going to come back to Portland. Everyone has been so nice to me here. Yeah. And, you know, my comedy was well received. When you go to different cities, you don't know how your comedy is going to be received. Because each different city has, you know, its its own different political leanings, its own different religious leanings. You know, and I go up there, I'm cussing and I'm, you know, talking about whatever I'm talking about. So you never really know. But um, Portland was great. Everybody was so nice. My comedy was well received. I definitely want to come back. And the city is beautiful. Yeah. So back to, I'm kind of moving all around here, but back to when you were a kid and you realized that you were funny. Mm -hmm. You you don't remember around what age that was? Always. Always since I was a kid. I remember making the adults laugh. And it wasn't, it was unintentionally. Like I would just say things and they would be like, oh, you know, I can't believe a little kid would say something like that. Like my mom will tell me stories of things that I said like to adults and she she said that she used to be like horrified sometimes like it was hilarious <laughs> but she in her mind she thought that the other adult because you know how kids repeat things that they hear adults say yeah and she's like you would say these things like a grown person you would make these jokes or, or you know make these comments that were hilarious and it would be like some grown-up saying it you know like how I was talking and she's like I think that these people thought I was talking about them behind their back or whatever uh-huh. because you're just a little kid saying these things uh but you, you know I've always been like outspoken and I just you know I remember being like the funny one like I don't know if I was even trying to be funny I just kind of I'm a humorous person and when I started posting things about me doing comedy all these people that I went to elementary school with, that I went to high school with, they were like, oh, yeah, that's that's about right. You're a stand-up comic. This is what you should be doing. We, you were always very funny. I really want to know when you made that decision to go into comedy. Oh, it's, that's easy. So it's um, stand-up comedy is something that I've always loved. And, you know, there are these things that that are in your head that are like fantasy careers like that everybody thinks that oh yeah it'd be cool if I was an astronaut or if it'd be you know what I'm saying it's not anything that you actually take real steps to right. do mm-hmm. but in your mind you, you're like it'd be cool if I was a you know professional baseball player or yeah. if I was a stand-up comic you know uh-huh. and so stand-up comic was one of those things that was in my head like not a real thing but uh-huh. I would love to do that right and then so time goes on and somehow the idea I guess it was congealing over time mm-hmm Uh, When I lived out in the D.C. area, I was dating this horrible, terrible guy. Mm. (laughs) And anyway, I was telling him that I wanted that I like stand up comedy and I wanted to go see comedy. And he was like that he knew about a writer's group in the city Mm -hmm. uh, in D.C. And we could go to that. It was actually he was like instead of, you know, going to watch it. I know of a place where you can go and actually, you know, 
do comedy. Uh, well, let's that's that's when I really started. Let's back, go back. I lived in New York for about two years, and I went to a stand-up comedy class when I lived in New York. Okay. But then I never kept performing after that. Mm-hmm. I just did it as a class, and it was fun, and that was it. So fast forward to me living in the D.C. area, dating this guy. I was talking about how I had gone to a stand-up comedy class before and how I like to go see stand-up comedians, and then he said, I know about this writer's group. Let's go to it. Mm-hmm. So he and I had broken up by the before the day that I was supposed to go to the writers group. So I still went. Mm -hmm. And when I went there, I was telling the story of uh, this guy and you know how he had lied and how he was horrible. And they were all cracking up. They were like, that's, that's your material right there. Yeah. And it was so well received. So three minutes about him and how he lied and how we broke up was like my first thing that I actually started performing on stage when I lived in the DC area. And then from there, I just never stopped. Like I just, I was addicted to being on stage. I love making people laugh. I love connecting. And I just kept going from there. Yeah. But it sounds like it was a slow roll. Definitely in. a slow burn to, to it actually happening. Because again, you don't really think stand up comedy is like a real thing that you can do. Yeah. I think for people in general and for women specifically, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like a real thing. Like there will be things that you think about, like I would love to be an astronaut. I would love to be a pilot, but it's not a real thing that you think uh-huh. that that can happen. Yeah. You know? And I think stand up comedy for, for me was like that. It was like, that would be so awesome, but I never considered it as a realistic possibility until later in life. Uh huh. And how long ago was that? I've been doing comedy now for five years. That's it? Really? It seems like more? <laughs> Absolutely. Five years. The comfort level that you have is just, I mean, I'm gushing. I know I keep gushing, <laughs> but it's really impressive. Yeah, I've always been comfortable on stage with or without comedy. So if there's anything that I, like when I would give presentations in school or if I had to give a, lead a meeting at work or what, like being in front of a crowd has never been a problem for me. I always have felt comfortable. That's a fantastic skill to have. Yeah, I've always felt comfortable. And then so I guess it was just writing the jokes was all I needed to get to. But the stage comfort is independent of comedy. Mm, Yeah, you should be teaching about that. (laughs) I mean, some people work their whole lives at trying to get comfortable in front of a crowd and never achieve it. You know, people have stage fright. People take anxiety medication, you know, or beta blockers or whatever. Better. It's weird. Like in front of a crowd to me is easier sometimes than one on one. Wow. Yeah. Because one on one is so intimate. It's so like there's no buffer. Just Uh you talking to me me in the crowd it's like me in the crowd like i'm i'm talking and it's more like this whole thing is an entity this Uh crowd is an entity that i'm talking to instead of one-on-one wow it's it's easier for me i think see i'm opposite i have a lot of ease in the Mm one-on-one and then when i get into crowds it took me i'm fine now because i've been working at it but it took me years to get comfortable in front of the crowd the crowd yeah yeah we even have we have like talent shows for christmas at our family like it's we we're just a performing type of folks see and I feel like even though maybe it wasn't on purpose that's a fantastic life skill for parents to actually offer to their children Mm. it get it just changes the game you had mentioned that comedy maybe was difficult to get into as a woman Uh, yeah well does it feel like a pretty male-dominated culture it is but here's the thing so is everything right what isn't a male-dominated profession yeah Anything that you do is a male-dominated profession except for swimsuit model and, like, flight attendant. Uh Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So it's not something that 
has prevented me from moving forward. I, I was just saying that when I, cause you had asked me, did I always want to be a stand-up comic? Uh-huh. And I think that one of the things that prevented it from being something in my head that was a real, that seemed like a realistic thing um, was that representation. Like you don't like when I was a little kid, I remember seeing, or not a little kid, but when I was younger, and I was looking at stand-up comedy, I don't remember seeing very many women, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Very few women. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was like, you know, you got the classics, you got Joan Rivers and yeah. stuff like that, but like uh, Lucille Ball, but she was on a TV show. And when mm-hmm. you talk about women that are stand-up comics, mm-hmm. you know, if you l- dig back, it's there were very, very few. Mm-hmm. So that might have been something that contributed to me thinking, you know, that's not a realistic goal for me to be a stand-up comic. I love stand-up comedy. This would be so awesome. Mm-hmm. But maybe the lack of representation w- was what kept it from f- feeling like a real goal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Th- I mean, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So how do you feel about it now? Oh, I love it. I mean, mm-hmm. there there's there are definitely more uh, women in comedy now. Um, as far as on TV, as far as if you look and see can I name a female comic? You can definitely do so now. I mean, there, there are more. And I never let being a woman stop me from doing anything that I wanted to do anyway. So yeah. it's, there are, we're definitely underrepresented. But I, I think that's probably because there are not a lot of women who want to do, you know what I mean? Like, it's not that we're being kept out. It's, if you look and see how many female comics there are, there's always less than the men. It's probably like 10 to one or something like it's right. Yeah. So it's a quite a vulnerable profession. Mm. I mean, you're really putting yourself out there in front of groups of people and in front of crowds. I feel like being a comic is probably one of the hardest jobs out there. And I also don't think that this is a whole exhausting topic that I don't even I, ch- I try to stay away from. But men tend to have this concept that women can't be funny. Like women aren't funny. Ooh. And you know, I, t- I spent a lot of time breaking that down. I think it's you're standing on a stage. You are commanding attention. You're the one cracking jokes and being witty, which means you're being intelligent. You're the one everyone's paying attention to. It's a position of power. Uh-huh. And I think that men maybe just feel uncomfortable about it. And mm-hmm. then that's why they can't laugh. You know, that's why they think that women aren't funny. It's because it's not the position that they feel like women should be in. Uh-huh. A lot of times men want you to just be pretty and be quiet. If you're on stage having opinions, it's like not within their little box of what you should be doing. Right. So is that a vibe that you've gotten in the in the field or in the circuit? I think that onlookers, right, from the audience, they don't expect the women to be as funny as the men. Like when they see a female comic come up, they're like, oh, it's a girl now. You know, it's like you actually like kind of feel that energy. I I th- mm, a little bit sometimes, a little uh-huh. bit sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think the male comics, uh, I don't know, everybody that I've dealt with has been very respectful and, you know, professional. But I, I just think that the consensus is that the women aren't funny or aren't as funny as the men. Like I've had, I've had the guy, the, the one who, it's funny, the one who I broke up with that told me about the writing class in D.C., mm-hmm. he said that. He was like, yeah, women aren't really funny. Mm. It's like they're not funny. I was like, what do you mean? And it had never occurred to me that this was a thing that people think, right? Because I'm like, if you say to me women aren't linebackers in the NFL, yeah, because the physical there's a physical difference in why we would not be as good at those things. Mm-hmm. But what does it take to be a comic? Mm-hmm. A mouth to speak, a brain to think of something funny. Mm-hmm. Like how why would a woman not be able to do that? We have the same equipment. 
yeah. as far as that yeah. as men, you know? Mm-hmm. So it just was, it blew my mind when he said that, you know, women aren't funny. And then I realized that this was a thing that men think. They think that women aren't funny. <laughs> and huh. I just, and once he opened my mind up to that, I, I couldn't unsee it. Yeah. I couldn't unsee it. And so do you feel like when you get on stage, I don't want to say like a competition with yourself. Do you feel like a competition with competition's not the right word, but do you feel like I'm going to I'm going to prove that women are funny? I'm like, just up there trying to be funny. Yeah. Like I'm not trying to prove it for women. I'm just trying to be I want to be funny. I'm trying yeah. to prove that Candace is funny. That's okay. what I'm doing when I'm on stage. I think I asked that because um, funny quick story is that when I learned to play pool, mm-hmm. uh, it was way back when I was in college and I decided that I was going to become a really good pool player to mm-hmm. beat the boys okay. because the boys could not stand it when the girls beat them. Yep. And so for me, it became like a kind of a competition for myself. Mm-hmm. Like I want to prove you wrong yeah. and open your mind. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that that's what any female comic who goes up there and kills it. I think one audience at a time, we're shattering, right? you know, that misconception that women aren't funny. Exactly. I mean, I'll just admit I am a competitive person. Me too. <laughs> Extremely. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to, I compete with myself. I want to get better. I want to be a better person. I want to be a funnier person. I want to be mm-hmm. a better pool player. You know what I mean? Like I always want to keep getting better. But if that helps people break down barriers or, you know, judgments or whatever, all the better. All the better. Right. Yeah. I think for everybody. And I hope people do that for me. You know, I'm sure I have plenty of barriers and boundaries that need to be broken down. Mm -hmm. And I hope that I get exposed to them and somebody can share that for me because it it only elevates our consciousness more. Absolutely. Every opportunity there is to learn something, to Mm -hmm. grow. I want to seize it. Yeah. I want to always be the best me. Absolutely. A better me than I was yesterday. And I think that some people aren't on that journey, you know? Yeah. Like some people mm. just are not doing that. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, you know? So like we're talking about, I always want to learn. I always want to grow. You're like, if, if you have a barrier, you want somebody to break it for you. And we're sitting here talking like, that's just what you do in life, right? right? You just learn, right. you just grow. Mm-hmm. And there are people who don't have that concept. They're like just doing what they're doing. And they they think that, Women aren't funny. They don't, you know, they don't like women or they don't like mm-hmm. blacks or they don't like whatever. And it's okay for them. Mm-hmm. They don't want to educate or elevate themselves. Mm-hmm. They, they don't even have the concept that they need to be educated or elevated. Right. So I love to, to connect with people who understand that this is what life is. It's growing. It's learning every day, trying to be better. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're here for a very short time. Yeah. You got to make the best of it. Right. Yeah. Why not enjoy it? Try to enjoy it. I mean, there's always going to be hardship. Yep. But the more that we can shift that, I feel like a lot of that is rooted in fear. I feel like we can we have such a fear culture and we can really see where fear holds people back and pain, Mm -hmm. you know, like even Internet trolls. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I'm kind of preparing myself for the way that I'm diving into the Internet world with the podcast. And, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, um, yeah, the trolls are out there and and they are relentless. Yeah, they don't sleep. Yeah. Have you have you dealt with <laughs> They're them? just there. Well, not for me specifically, but like if you're reading other people's stuff, people because I don't have, you know, that many followers, I guess. But people who have the, in the tens of thousands of followers and higher, you look at their comments and mm-hmm. it's like it's a bunch of people who are following them because they love them. And they love their content. Yeah. And it's a bunch of other people just there to say something evil, just to say something mean, just to just miserable people that are putting their misery out there, mm-hmm. uh, hoping somebody will catch on. 
Yeah. It's I mean, yeah, it hurts my heart. And I feel like those people are in pain. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of fear and pain, um, yeah. which turns into anger and hate. Mm-hmm. And it's really unfortunate. Yeah. And they want someone to feel bad with them yep. so they don't have to feel mm-hmm. alone. I yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where I think what you're doing is you're elevating consciousness through humor. I'm you're trying. Oh, absolutely. I'm still wrapping my mind around the fact that you've only been doing this for five years because I feel like you're going to blow up. Are you looking to blow up? Yes. Yeah. I would love to. I spent some time meditating up on this the other day thinking about what is it that I really, what do I want from comedy? And I realized this is going to be so... Like, I don't know. I'm just going to say it. Do it. Do it. What I want from comedy is what I want in general. I just uh-huh. want to be loved. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to be, you know, I walk into this room with this audience and everyone's there for me because they love me and they want to see me, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what comedy does, right? Like, you get off stage and everybody was like, oh my God, I loved you. You were my favorite one. You made me laugh. It's just love coming mm. to me. It's just me spreading joy and getting love back in return. Yeah. So that's what I want to do with comedy. I just yeah. want everybody to love me. So the bigger I get, that's the more love that I get. More <laughs> people that are like, yeah, Candace, she's so funny. I love her. <laughs> well, and you get to see how you change people yeah you get to see how what you did made an effect on them so you get the love but you see how you're giving the love as well I don't I don't know I just I'm having fun up there I want everybody else to have fun and if I I don't know if I'm changing lives or anything but you know if if I do then that's awesome too but I just want everybody to feel good Mm-hmm. If it, if it's just for that 10 minutes that I'm up there, exactly. you're going to have a good time. Yeah. You're going to feel good. You're going to smile. You're going to be happy. We're, there's going to be joy exchanged mm-hmm. between us mm-hmm. for these 10 minutes, if no other time. Yeah. That's what I want. So I'm going to tell you right now, I'm in the healthcare field. Mm-hmm. That decreases the chance of disease. Laughter? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. All so right. you are changing people's lives. Like you can look at it like medicine, like healthcare. Okay. Because when you shift those cortisol levels, you actually decrease the chance of an autoimmunity coming on later on in life. Okay. You're doing that. Wow. Yeah. I'm like a doctor. <laughs> you're like a doctor. <laughs> you're, a, you're a laugh doctor. <laughs> Last meal of the name of my first album, Laugh Doctor. I like it. I, I like do. It. I love it. <laughs> Maybe that's what the name of the show should be. Laugh Doctor. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so are your goals to tour the country? Yeah, I love to travel. Okay. And we just connected on social media. So you'll yeah. see that. You'll see I like to go anywhere and everywhere. I like to uh-huh. experience things. That's the good thing about comedy, right? Is that it can merge with my love of seeing new places. Mm-hmm. So I had this goal that I made at the beginning of the year that I wanted to go to every state at least once. Mm-hmm. I'm at 30 plus states so far. Um, Wait, just since the beginning of the year? Uh, this year, I went to, I want to say 12 or 15 states this year. Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, this year and uh, three countries. Oh, in three different countries. Yeah, this year. Yeah. Did you do comedy? I did not do comedy. Well, I couldn't. I mean, because I went to I went to Colombia. I went to Cuba. Uh-huh. Um, my Spanish is, is functional, but it's not good enough to like do comedy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't do comedy Yeah, in I'm learning Spanish yeah. and um, the jokes don't translate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really bad at translating jokes in Spanish. Yeah. The, yeah. So you have to, in order to, to be funny or just humor in general, you have to have a really good grasp of a language. Yeah. And it's like my you know my level of spanish is functional like i can get around ask for directions and if there's uh-huh. an emergency i can you know translate but i yeah. can't comedy is on a, a higher level yeah than my my skill level in 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 that language uh-huh. so i couldn't do it but 
when I went to Canada, yes. I did comedy there. Yeah. How did it go? It went great. I, I love loved Canada. It. Yeah. Oh. They smoke a lot of weed there, too. <laughs> Were you in Vancouver? I was in um, Toronto. Oh, okay. Did you like Toronto? I loved it. Nice. Yeah, I really liked it. Everybody yeah. was super cool. I met some comics there that are awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, but anyway, so I said that to say this, like I, lo- I, I do the comedy. I make people laugh. I want to get the love back in return. I want them to feel good. I want me to feel good. And then that can merge with my love of travel because, you know, uh, different cities, mm-hmm. I can go to different cities to perform. So yeah. that is a, a marriage made in heaven. Yeah. My, my love for traveling and my love for comedy. They, they fit very well together. Fantastic. And do you have um, another job or career or is it strictly comedy? No, I have a day job. And so you have flexibility in that. Yeah, I have oh. a day job. My day job, it's, it's like everything fits together perfectly. My day job, I work, it's called a four by 10. So you do your 40 hours in four days instead of five. Yeah. Um, so I work Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I'm off every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So I can do gigs. Oh, that's great. As much as I want. Yeah, and you've got the four day. And it's built into my schedule. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So yes. I don't have to miss work and I don't have to miss comedy. I don't know. The universe yeah. is like keeps affirming. It's like, this uh-huh. is what you're supposed to be doing. Oh, I love that. It keeps affirming. Oh, fant- yes, you are. Absolutely. Yeah. You're doing what you're supposed to be uh-huh. doing. So have you been supported well in the comedy industry? Since breaking through, do you feel like you've made good networking connections? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because uh-huh. I, cause I do comedy, like I sign up for, um, I have gotten accepted into a lot of festivals. So I've done comedy in a lot of different places all over the country. And so I've made contacts in a lot of different places all over the country. So when you first start out on comedy, where you're getting your gigs from are from mostly from other comics. Right. There'll be a point where you are get, you know, you're passed into all the clubs and you're getting the bulk of your 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 time and your money from working clubs. But that takes a while. Mm -hmm. In the beginning years of comedy, you're getting your gigs from other comics who are putting on shows. Uh And so the more comics, you know, the more opportunity that you have to be on stage and to do shows. And I've cast that net very wide. Mm-hmm. I've been all over the country, you know, from coast to coast, all the way in the south, all the way up north, doing these festivals and just making contacts all over the country. And it uh, it definitely has helped me. So wherever I'm at, if I'm in another city for business or for anything else, there's always somebody that I know that I can reach out and be like, yeah, you need somebody to, to go up on stage tonight. Do you need a host? Do you need a closer? Do you need, can I get some time? I'm here, mm-hmm. you know, because I've made those contacts all over the country. That's great. Yeah. What show has been your most favorite? Do you remember? Do you have a favorite in the five years that you've been performing? Um, yeah, there are quite a few shows that stand out. One of the ones that I remember so vividly was the, it was a new comic like contest or whatever. It was at Magoobies, which is in uh, Timonium, Maryland, right outside of Baltimore. And I had just an amazing set. And um, when you do those competitions, they're what we call bringer shows, which means the comics bring their friends and family as the audience, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to the venue uh, promoted the show and people just came. Mm-hmm. So it's each comic is actually bringing their audience with them. And so I had like three people that came. It was my boyfriend and his two co-workers that came. There's another guy who bought literally two buses of people <laughs> two actual buses wow. were parked in the parking lot oh my yeah. gosh and uh he came from i want to say philly or 
I forget where he came from, but he brought like he sold tickets to it, like did like a party bus ride and sold tickets to come to the thing and see him. And so at the end of the thing, you go by applause. Uh-huh. And even though he had bought two buses of people, like I still was winning by audience applause. You got the applause? Yeah, I still nice. was winning by audience applause. And um, they actually picked him to win. I think that the club felt obligated to pick him because he had brought so much money into, oh. into the club. And then so when they said that he won, the audience started to boo him. They were like, no, she should win. Uh. It, was, it was great. <laughs> Shout out to Justin. He's, he's cool people. It's like he, the thing about him, he messaged me after the show and he was like, I want you to know that I know that I only won because I brought all those people and you're way ta- more talented than me. Uh. He was like, I'm doing a show. Can you come? Um, nice. Uh, can you come headline my show? I'm going to pay you to come out here. And I'll, he's awesome. He's a class right act. On. Yeah, Justin. that's great. I have to, I have to, I have to um, call him. I haven't talked to him in a while. But anyway, it was when I went outside, what I talk about how I love, like the love that I get from it and how people are just, they come up to me like you mm-hmm. did, like I loved, I loved how you were and I love all that positive energy that I get from people. Mm-hmm. So after that, people were just coming up. They were like, oh my God, you got robbed. You were so amazing. We thought you were so good. Like just droves and droves of people. This is a huge club. I think Magooby seats 300 or more people nice. and they were just coming up to me in droves you did so well you were the best you know I don't know why you didn't win and they were like when I was coming out they were clapping like as I was leaving they were like oh my god you did so great it was such a moment of like mm. just positive energy people were giving me yeah. I loved it that was yeah. that's that goes down in history as one of my favorite performances of all time absolutely that warmth yeah oh there's nothing like that yeah and that was just a little local not a little local because it was a lot of people but it was just a a competition between other amateur comics you know and Mm -hmm. since then I've opened for like Guy Tory and Bobcat Goldthwait and like these big names nice and it those things don't hold as much weight to me as that day did right yeah I mean that authenticity and that feeling that energy yeah My friend is an amateur comic. He was my friend that was there with me the first night. I don't know if you saw him. He's done a couple of comedy um, classes. Mm -hmm. And at the end, they have a performance at Helium Comedy where they bring all their friends and family. Yes. And so I went to it for his first class that he did. And oh my gosh, I like it's a good memory for me uh, watching him perform. Mm -hmm. And he just killed it up there. And he was so good. And everybody like I definitely gave him a standing (laughs) ovation. Okay. But everybody was so excited. And like I literally cried when people were. You're so supportive. You're like a very (laughs) complimentary and supportive person. Very warm energy. I just love (laughs) it when people are doing their mission. They're doing their calling. They're feeling it. They're living this life that we, you know, it's so fleeting and it's Quote, so beautiful. Living their best life. Right. right? Yeah, that's and the thing now. I'm all about it. Yep. I want to support everybody to do that. I want to be the number one cheerleader. And I hope that I'm doing it for myself, too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he was, yeah, I was like crying and hugging him and so proud of him. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I know a little bit of that feeling yeah. I, that you had just from being an audience member supporting my friends. Yeah. And it's that it's, kind of it's that feeling is just so good. It's like yeah. I, I, I can't liken it to anything else, but yeah. it is I want to always feel that. So how about your partner now? Does he think women are funny? He does. <laughs> he thinks I'm hilarious. Yeah. And he also likes Ali Wong. He okay. loves Ali. We uh-huh. were watching Ali Wong. He was like dying. Uh-huh. I was like, okay, relax. <laughs> She's not that funny. <laughs> 
No, she's great. Was it the Cobra one? Um, the the first one. Okay. First, I was gonna say the one where she's pregnant, but she's pregnant in both of. Them. I know. <laughs> she just had another one. She's, <laughs> she's also like pregnant. Always pregnant <laughs> when she's doing comedy. <laughs> I guess that's when her creative juices start flowing. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, so we were watching uh, the Cobra, the first one. <laughs> I was gonna say there's a lot of juices flowing at that point. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, so he yeah he loves um and he actually he'll give me tags which is I didn't do any of it here um but I have like a whole chunk of material about him and being Indian and you know yeah. the the cultural differences in our relationship and he will give me tags for it or when it was first written he gave a lot of the tags uh-huh you know he was with me when I was working it out when it was just like raw yeah and I was trying to like you know hone it uh-huh. and he'd be like you know what you should say this right here and you know it's I'm making fun of him and us and he's totally cool with it he is an angel straight from heaven I love him oh that's great he's great yeah you mentioned him a little bit and that's how I knew that you had a partner yeah. um, but I don't think you went further with it I think there was a lot of things happening in that show last night yeah, yeah. I remember because I was like I guess I have all this um material about my Indian boyfriend and you have to have some idea of Indian people and in their culture in order mm-hmm. to understand it. Mm-hmm. And Portland is not terribly culturally diverse. Let's just leave it at that. So yeah. I was like, I don't even know if they'll connect to this because oh, okay. there's going to be a lot of stuff that you have to know Indian people. Right. To Were you kind of feeling the audience out? Um, do you do that? Like in the middle yeah, you of the have show, to. you got to like, feel them out. And also when you come to a place, right? Like, as soon as I land in the airport, as soon as I stop to get gas or stop at the first, you know, McDonald's or whatever, when I come to a city, I'm feeling it out. I'm looking. Yeah. I'm like, how diverse is this place? How how artsy is this place? Right. Like, I'm looking at the people. It's like constant research. Yeah. And then you build your... I want to say platform. Well, I have my jokes and I and I, I decide which ones I'm okay. going to do or not do mm-hmm. based on the the collective feel of this particular and the environment. crowd. Yeah. yeah. And now a live Candace August bit about Portland, Oregon. Enjoy. I love being here. I feel so exotic. You know, I walk around I'm like, oh my God, there's only one of me. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take my pick of all the bearded white boys. You, you and Does it shift as you go into like the middle of the country? Yeah, it shifts everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. Everywhere has different, you know, some things are universally funny, but when you start to talk about religion or race or politics, yeah. You have to be mindful of what part of the country. I mean, you could say whatever you want anywhere. Yeah. But you're going to be received accordingly, you know uh-huh. what I mean? So, I try to be mindful of what I say with with those things, right? With yeah. culture, um politics and mm-hmm. religion. And what, you know, I try to be mindful of what part of the country I'm in when I'm saying it. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this and tell me if I'm not wording this correctly. Have you ever bombed? Yeah, absolutely. There's no comic that has not bombed. If if, if there's a comic that tells you that they've never bombed, they're either brand new Uh and they've only performed in front of their friends and family (laughs) or they're in denial. Right. Like that's bombing comes with it's how you learn. It's how you get better. You're going to (laughs) bomb. I remember on my podcast, I'll. I used to ask people, you know, tell me about one of your best performances and tell me about one of the times you bombed. And somebody that I was interviewing, bless, bless their heart, she was like, I never bombed. I have seen that person bomb. Uh. <laughs> so I, so, <laughs> like, was it hard to not say it? I was just, 
I was just like, mm, oh, that's great. <laughs> I just moved on to something else. But, um, but yeah. So, so the thing is, is anybody that tells you that they've never bombed is that they haven't gone out of their comfort zone. They're still just performing for their family and friends, or you know mm-hmm. what I mean, or they're in denial. Mm-hmm. Everyone has bombed. You can't get it right every time because some of the time it's new stuff that you're working on right. and it's gonna fall flat because you haven't sharpened it yet mm-hmm. not because you're not funny but just because that joke isn't ready yet mm-hmm. there'll be times when the situation is not conducive to comedy so you're gonna bomb uh-huh you know we've all done sets where it's in a bar and these people didn't know that there was a comedy show they're in there oh. you know having trying to enjoy happy hour trying to decompress from their day of work and then somebody's on a microphone telling these jokes it's like in that they never wanted yeah you know what i mean uh-huh. so there there are some situations where success is not I don't want to say impossible mm-hmm. but it's very difficult just mm-hmm. because you know just because of what where it is and what's happening so yeah of course of course I bombed my bomb story that I like to tell is from Baltimore Comedy Factory I bombed so hard at Baltimore Comedy Factory oh my god <laughs> it was awesome and the thing about bombing at Baltimore Comedy Factory was it was a six show weekend I was booked for six shows wow so I wasn't upset about the bombing it happens I was like you know I'll regroup and see what I need to do better the next time uh-huh. I was upset because I was like I have to go through this five <laughs> more times oh five more times these people hate me <laughs> um That's so a rigorous schedule yeah it was it was it was six shows over was it two days or three days like one night had three shows one night had two shows and then the last night had one show I think that's how it was but it and then over time it got better uh-huh. like I, I changed how I started up I changed my energy yeah um you got to figure out should I talk faster should I talk slower mm-hmm. do maybe I, I'm cursing a little too much maybe I'm not cursing enough maybe I should stay away from this material and do more of my stuff about this stuff that I wrote about you know what I mean mm-hmm. so each show I tweaked it and by about the third show I was doing much better. I was getting, still wasn't killing. Like mm-hmm. I never killed over there. Yeah. But I got to the point where they were actually laughing. The first show it was like dead silence. Oh. Dead. Do you silence? <laughs> and when I and so when that happens, do you incorporate it into your act? Do you like actually acknowledge it, or do you just no? You you have to on. acknowledge it. Yeah. You can't. <laughs> yeah. You can't. Like, <laughs> They, I know I'm bombing. They know I'm bombing. I got to say something. (laughs) And often when you're bombing, when you address the fact that you're bombing, those will be the best laughs that you get or sometimes the only laughs that you get when you make fun of yourself because of how poor you're doing. Yeah. I think the host had done some crowd work and found out that there was a lady in the front row who was like a a pastor or something like that. I was bombing so bad. And then I looked at her and I was like, you're a pastor, right? Can you pray for me? Because this is not going well. (laughs) I got a good, I got a little, I got a good laugh from that. And then the rest was just me bombing. It was <laughs> si- like silence. You know? oh, and how nice that you got that intel though. Right. That was the one thing that I could do. And it was like, if they would have booed me, mm-hmm. it would have at least been something, really? some energy. They like nothing. Uh-huh. When I tell you complete silence, still like mannequins just looking at I was oh like, my this is bad. And I have 13 and a half more minutes left oh. to be up here. At that point, do you just picture everybody naked? Do you do that <laughs> exercise? <laughs> just try to have fun, start laughing at myself. And, you know, you would rather hear the booing. I don't know that I would rather hear the booing. I, 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 in fact, let me just say 
put it into the universe. No, I do not okay. want to be booed. <laughs> but I'm just saying it would have at least been some right. energy. They just mm-hmm. were just lo- just silent looking at me. Ooh. Almost as how like you would look at somebody if you didn't speak their language. Like if somebody right. was up there, if like if someone was up there speaking Japanese uh-huh. and I'm watching them because I know that they're talking, but I don't understand anything that they're saying. Yeah. It was kind <gasps> of like that. They oh. just I don't even know how you keep your composure through that. I'm a professional. I had to do it. You know, I, I'm, I'm getting paid for the gig. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got to stay professional, but it was awful. Yeah. Well, I teach class and usually the first night of class, I teach um, childbirth classes mm-hmm. and the first night parents are completely freaked out. They just come in like deer in the headlights. Mm-hmm. Right. And so sometimes it'll affect me and I feel myself taking on that energy and then I you get, go in your own head. about Yeah. It. And I get really like. I'm usually pretty funny and outgoing and witty and I just kind of become really boring. (laughs) It's Uh, like I'm taking on that energy. And then I end up judging myself for it because Uh I'm like, oh, you bombed. You know what I mean? Like you didn't pull them out. You didn't get that going. But it doesn't feel good after a bomb. You know, you you, you reflect on it. Like, what did I do wrong? Should I have taken the energy up higher Mm -hmm. or should I go lower to match them? It's like you it's all these things, but it's Mm -hmm. a learning experience. Yeah. Do you take those as your best learning experiences? Like, do you feel like that's pushed you so much further? as a Absolutely not. I think (laughs) 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 when I no, seriously, this is this is what I do. I tape every performance and what I look at. I don't even look at what I feel like I did wrong. I look at what I feel like I did right. And I want to do more of that. Yeah, that's. That's it. it. Well, that wasn't the answer I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> I love being surprised. That was awesome. I thought you were going absolutely. And absolutely then you threw in the not. Not. That shit was <laughs> terrible. Actually, I don't want it to ever happen again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do a lot of hard work so that that never happens again. Right. Yeah. I, I love your strategy, though. Yeah. I mean, positivity. Yeah, that's you're what I do. You're pulling the positivity out and you're increasing it. Yep. You're raising that vibration. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I I, it's just, I don't think that's the answer we usually hear. Usually everybody's like, yeah, absolutely. When it was the hardest struggle, that's the most that I learned. I don't need that. <laughs> I don't need to be bombing. I need to be doing amazing every time. So when I look at my tape at the end of the night, I look at when people laugh the hardest, when I felt the best, and I do more of that. I take the good stuff and I do yeah. more of it. If I have 15 minutes and 14 and a half is good stuff, right? Yeah. Then there's not that much room for the bad stuff. I don't need to worry about the bad stuff. If yeah. I fill my set with more and more and more of what I did right Mm -hmm. then I'm going in the correct direction and there won't be any room for what I did wrong that's my strategy I love it I'm in yeah I'm gonna can I adopt that (laughs) I'm gonna take that into my uh repertoire but what I was wondering about is when something happens and you're in a state of grief or you're going through the stages of grief how does that affect your comedy how does that affect the way that you write or perform or do you take breaks is, is there like something like writer's block in, in comedy? Things that are hurtful or things that are irritating or things that are angering or triggering are the things that make the best comedy for me. Mm-hmm. They say pain plus time equals comedy. And I believe that mm-hmm. because comedy, if you want to say something on stage and have it really land with an impact, you have to feel something, mm, right? Yeah. You have to feel it in order for to make the audience feel it. Yes. So when I'm talking about a breakup or when mm-hmm. I'm talking about something that my boyfriend did that was annoying to me or talking about something somebody did that irritated me or angered me, I have that feeling and that's how I can impart it. That's how I can make an impactful punchline mm-hmm. because I'm filled with emotion and I'm transferring it to you. 
So things that are hurtful make great comedy uh-huh. because you as the comedian feel so much right. about that subject. So is there an evolution though? Like, do you have to go through the grief first before it can become something that you foster into an idea or I guess, I guess it depends on whatever, what the thing is, you know, mm-hmm. but when I, when I had that breakup, it was comedy right away. Yeah. It was comedy right away. So it's almost like therapy. It's very therapeutic. You'll okay. hear comics say that all the time. One of the like the standard like hack jokes that comics will say is like, I do I do stand up comedy because I can't afford therapy. <laughs> like it's a thing. Right. We, we all we are healing right. through these jokes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I used to um, write music a long time ago and it took me a while to realize it, but I realized I only wrote music when I was insanely depressed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. When I was happy, there was no music coming out. Depression f- uh, sparks creativity, I mm-hmm. think. There's the thought going around that there's um, increased depression or mental health symptoms with comedians. Mm-hmm. I think especially when Robin Williams yes. took his life, that, that kind of brought that to light. Mitch Hedberg. That's the narrative, right? The narrative right. is The narrative. That Thank you. That's that the word I was looking for. Comics are so sad. I think people mm-hmm. are sad. Yeah. And since it's show business, mm-hmm. we are showing it, right? We're talking about it. Mm-hmm. We are talking about our lives in general. But I don't think comics are sadder than anyone else. In fact, of the people who are depressed, comics are probably dealing with it a lot better because we're trying to make laughter out of it. Right. You know what I mean? We're trying to turn it around at least. Mm-hmm. Um, people in general are yeah. depressing. Life is hard and people uh, sometimes can't find healthy ways to deal with it. And so they internalize it and, and it becomes depression. That's anybody. It's not just comedians. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. We have the same amount of sadness as anybody right. else, I think. But we're mm-hmm. turning ours into jokes, mm-hmm. you know. Other people are, are not. I don't know. They're dealing with their sadness however they deal with it. Exactly. But again, like I said, it's show business. So we're showing yep. our vulnerability. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the things that made us sad, angry, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Yeah. I don't think it's sad people want to go tell jokes. And that's why all comics are. I just don't. I don't believe that. Yeah. I know a lot of comics. Now, here's what I will say. A lot of them are very, like, dysfunctional. <laughs> which a lot of people are dysfunctional exactly you know i i like that you're you're spotlighting that that you're highlighting the fact that this goes across the board it is across the board it's just this happens to be our this is how this is how we are dealing with it you know how are you dealing with Mm -hmm. it right mental health issues definitely go across the board and Mm -hmm. it's something that i feel like is a it's a good thing to talk about and have conversations about so that we can address it more and Mm -hmm. normalize the conversation yeah so people don't feel so isolated yeah you know that's that's a good word isolated so i think that's why it seems like comics are set because we're talking about our struggles right we're making Mm -hmm. jokes out of it and other people are hiding theirs Mm -hmm. we're exposing ours yeah and everyone else is hiding theirs. Mm-hmm. So that's where the narrative comes from, that comics are so sad. We're not sadder than anyone else. The human condition yes. has sadness, has Absolutely. struggle, has difficulty. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm going to go further with that. As we're kind of flowing with this, mm-hmm. I'm so happy you're showing it because the people that are in isolation maybe feel a little less isolated Yes, if they hear that. Absolutely. And maybe there's a little funny spin on it. 
you know, maybe it can make it just a little bit lighter for them. Exactly. And so I think that's a great thing. It can make it lighter for them. And in the very least, they don't have to feel alone. Even if they don't think it's funny, they can now see that, well, at least I'm not the only one going through it. Absolutely. In the very least. Absolutely. I mean, that's this podcast is basically I'm looking for a virtual support group. I'm going across the board among many topics. I feel like we kind of went through a journey with that conversation Mm -hmm. and we came full circle to this really nice place. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That was good. Yeah. (laughs) I'm proud of us. This is real good pod right here. Real good pod. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So um, before we get to the last question, is there anything else that you want to talk about? I mean, I'm like, I have you here. We're talking. I'm really excited about this. I don't know. I just, I've been reading a lot lately about, um, you know, universal law and mm-hmm. energy and raising vibrations and mm. things like that. And so it's just interesting that you, you know, you you know about those things and we can have mm-hmm. a conversation about those things. Uh, I know when wants to hear me go on and on about, you know, frequencies and vibrations, but that's what I've been into lately. seems yeah. like you're into that stuff. Um, too. Oh, super into it. Do you it. meditate? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I've been the thing is, I've been meditating since I don't I was a kid and I didn't realize I was meditating. How you know so? what I mean? Oh, I would sit in a tree for hours. And just be inside your own I would just thoughts. be I'd just be sitting in a tree for uh, hours. And so as I got older, I was like, that's what I've been doing. I've been actually meditating my entire that's life. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. 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 And um, <laughs> I just randomly. So w- my first podcast was called Online Dating for Old Timers. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about uh, the movie Eat, Pray, Love. With I, Elizabeth I haven't Gilbert. seen it you yet. You haven't seen it. Have I you read the book? To. No. <gasps> it is. Both of them are on my list. Oh, okay. Is it about like, I? from what I understand, it's about like finding yourself through travel and, and self-reflection. Yes. Okay. And eating and food. Okay. And love and All making right. yourself uncomfortable and leaving marriages and you know like there's all kinds of stuff i gotta watch i'm gonna watch it today on the plane nice yeah yeah do um i also recommend reading the book but i also recommend elizabeth gilbert in general she has uh this book called uh, something like i want to say finding your creativity but that's not it's something magic oh frustrated that i can't remember it i'll have it in the show notes though okay but it's about creativity and it changed my world she talked about creativity in such an energetic way she talked about that we always have these kind of like these creative opportunities all around us and they come and go and when we're ready for them we take them Mm, but if we're not ready they come and they go right like this podcast I've been wanting to do a podcast for years right and it always went it never, there was never the right opportunity. It wasn't the right time. My spirit wasn't ready. You know, everything wasn't lining up. Okay. And suddenly that it came back around to me and okay. it was the time. And I mean, I it's been amazing. It's been an amazing journey. I've pretty much well, changed my life with it. The good thing about that philosophy from, from how I'm understanding it, you're saying it, is that you can't ever miss anything. It, yeah. will, it will eventually come back around. Yeah. And it just... You're the only person delaying it because you have to be ready, yeah. but it'll come. Like and you it's can't okay miss it, it. Yeah. It's okay if it goes. Yeah. Cause it'll come back around Yeah, and then it's, you will hopefully be ready that time. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it, takes, I like that. it takes a lot of pressure off, mm-hmm. you know, if you're like, oh, I must be creative. I need to make this happen. And it's like, no, like flow with it. You know, the fluidity of it is yeah. what enhances the experience and makes it so much more powerful when you're ready mm-hmm. and when it comes back around. Anyway, Elizabeth Gilbert is pretty fantastic. Okay. So um, you'll find out in Eat, Pray, Love uh, when Elizabeth goes to see a healer guru person in Bali. He tells her when she meditates to smile from her liver. 
smile from her liver. Yeah. I was just up at hot springs and I was meditating, especially in the water. I was doing a lot of meditating in the hot springs. I just kept smiling, (laughs) which I thought was probably funny for other people people, watching me because I was just practicing smiling from my liver. It's not an easy thing to connect. (laughs) But, you know, have you ever done that where you just smile? You know, that smile therapy? Mm -hmm. I Um, do. I have a hard time with it. Like, I love the authentic smile and the authentic laugh. Like, I, you know what I mean? You say something and it's funny and, like, that belly roar comes out. And, like, just smiling to create a shift in your energy. It's like the forced smile, kind of. You're just. Right. But but then your energy follows along with it. Yeah, it's like a practice. It's really interesting. You kind of go through this uncomfort with it. And then I think with anything, you find an ease or a rhythm with mm-hmm. it. But I feel like we're in I'm this. Into we're that in stuff a, now. Yeah, we're. Yeah. And that's there's a reason you're into it now. Like we're actually being called to the light. I think we all kind of go in and out of these periods of hopelessness. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> with what's going on around us. Okay. There's times when when people say love wins or, you know, love is all that matters, you know, and there's times that it's hard to believe that, right? you know, when things seem really difficult or hopeless. And I believe it now, like something happened where I feel like the more love I put out, even when it's difficult, I feel like love will win. Just lately, I, I don't know, I'm just so into it. And it's like this information about raising vibrations and the law of attraction and energy and all that. It's not something that's new. Those concepts were introduced to me many times in the past mm-hmm. and I didn't embrace them. Mm-hmm. I don't know what has shifted. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like you said, maybe there's a rise of love in the world. I don't know what has shifted, but over the past like year, yeah, it's like, yes, I'm all of these things. I'm, I'm reading so much about it. I'm going a YouTube rabbit hole, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. doing research about it. I have uh-huh. several paper books. I have several audio books all about it. It's like I'm just constantly learning, just gobbling up this stuff about energy and raising your vibrations, manifesting your dreams, yeah. setting intentions, all of this stuff. Yeah. How, like attracts like, you know, that's what brought us together, uh-huh. right? Yeah. We both believe in these things. So something brought you to ask me. You told me. You said, I don't even ask people like out of the blue to do my podcast like that you said I don't do this yeah but you asked me I said yes right away I know that energy Uh uh-huh we're vibrating on the same level we came together yeah just like that that shit is crazy when I saw it work Uh like I started to believe in it and then I started to see this is really how it's happening it's been crazy ever since nice I'm almost afraid of how powerful it is right oh my gosh I'm into it I'm almost afraid of how powerful it is and I see it every day just confirmations of how vibrations work of how the frequency works of how like attracts like and ever since i started meditating i feel like i'm more present Mm -hmm. you're present to those connections yeah i feel like the universe is just opening up it's Mm -hmm. kind of like wide for the taking right now okay so i'm going to tell you about this book it's called breaking the habit of being yourself okay it dives deeper into the law of attraction it actually takes it into the scientific world it's more than when you just put out positive vibrations and positive vibrations come back, which right. absolutely happens. Those are, that, those are the basics, right? That's the basics. Okay. But this actually breaks it down into the science of it. I want to read it. You should read it. It's really incredible. I've been gifting it to everyone for their birthday because it talks about how we can actually create our realities. But what we've been doing is when we put out a positive thought, like this is what we want, right? Mm-hmm. We're actually basing it on our past, because that's our experience. Okay. So basically we're basing what we want 
in the future off of what we didn't want in the past. Okay, that makes sense. And that's not actually the way to attract or create that reality for yourself. Okay. So there's a whole different way to create that reality for yourself. And this is what gets into the magic of being human. We're so powerful. We have so much magic. I am learning that I am yeah. more powerful than I ever realized. I wish that I would have. Well, everything happens in due time. So that's yeah. there's a reason why now is when I'm embracing it. Because if I would have realized how powerful I was and the things that I could manifest in my 20s, good Lord, <laughs> the bullshit that I would have been. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't. Ooh, yeah. It would have been some <laughs> just unhealthy nonsense. And so now since I got a little bit of sense, uh-huh, right? Yeah. A little bit of maturity. Experience. Right. You know, and I understand how powerful I am and the things that I can manifest. I am blown away every time that something that I an intention that I set materializes. Mm -hmm. And every time the universe affirms to me, yes, this Mm -hmm. works. You are powerful. Speak what you want into existence and you shall have it. Every time I see it, it's just amazing. Yes, I love it. And when you talk about it with your sexy, sultry voice. (laughs) I love it even more. I mean, I am in. <laughs> I feel like you could sell anyone on anything. <laughs> Maybe I should. I'm over here. I'm like, yep, let's do it. Perhaps I should. <laughs> so, I mean, I was already in, but that that really yeah um, sealed the deal yeah. there. I'm I'm getting that book. I'm gonna download yeah. it on my Kindle like immediately. Absolutely. When I tell you, I am just like drinking up every single yeah. bit of literature that there is out there about all this stuff. Uh huh. It's like all I do now. Have you ever heard of the Seth material? No. By Jane Roberts. Uh uh-uh. uh Okay, girl. What's that about? So basically, it's this lady who like you know Abraham Hicks, Esther Hicks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know how she channels. Abraham. Mm-hmm. Right. So this was the precursor to that. This was like, I think the Jane Roberts book was written in like the 70s or something. And she channels this being called Seth. Uh-huh. And he, through her, gives gives all these truths about the universe. He talks about how every thought that you have creates a frequency. He talks about how time is just a construct and there are um, linear realities and different probable outcomes of your life. All kinds of stuff, girl. Mm. It is amazing. Wow. I, I suggest you get it on audiobook. Yeah. Because it's a lot. Yeah. The audiobook is like 16 hours. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take like a, a couple of weeks for you to get through it if you, and if you, you know, really commit. I, I can't imagine how the book must be. Yeah. And it's probably very hard to get through it just because the material is so heady. Yeah. So I like audiobooks for that. Yeah, for when that it's kind of material. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you yeah, cuz reading that's going to be a little bit I don't know, just difficult I guess. But but yeah, get get, get with it. That one's that nice. one's good. Yes. That one's good. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. This is all going to be in the show notes. <laughs> so everybody else can benefit as well Absolutely. from our high on the vibration here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I like to end the show with the same question for all my guests. Mm-hmm. So you did have a podcast, but I, did. I always say if you would have a podcast, you had a podcast. Who would be your dream guest and why? There's a couple. Uh, should I answer that with my loins or with my brain? <laughs> let's take both. I'll take both. I, I'm actually curious about both. So let's do both. All right. So with my brain, I would want to interview Oprah. Who doesn't want to interview Oprah, right? 
she's met with all of the best minds of our lifetime. Mm -hmm. Anybody talking about the shit we're talking about vibrations? You know what I mean? She's met with them. She's met the Dalai Lama and Wayne Dyer and Eckhart Tolle Mm. and, you know, like whoever spiritual advisors of the world, Mm -hmm. she has been directly advised by all of them. Mm -hmm. So, and then just to be a black woman and to be so successful, just everything that she is, Mm -hmm. I can learn from, the way that bitch sneezes, I probably could learn. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I could just learn from her. Yeah. And so that is somebody who I would just want to just sit there and just whatever it is that she has to teach me, whatever advice yeah. she would have to say, I need to hear it. Uh-huh. Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. Now with Maloins. Yes. Yes. I would like to interview good old Colin Kaepernick, you know, because he is just <laughs> an upstanding young man. And, uh, I was wondering about that because you have him in your bed. Yes. Do you remember that joke? I do. Of course I remember <laughs> That's it. That's my favorite joke. Yeah. So I was like, does she, re- is, does she really have a crush on oh. him? You know, like I was wondering, like, was that authentically? Like, Batman, I challenge you. Uh-huh. I want you to go look up like a picture of him like shirtless on the internet. <laughs> and I challenge you to find one single flaw. Mm. One, that man is absolute physical perfection. Yeah. He huh. is. Yes. Mm. Yeah, so Colin Kaepernick, mm-hmm. but would you want to, is there something that you would want to like talk to him about? Oh, I got a lot of things to okay. talk to him about. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, um, so, you know, his movement, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. The kneeling mm-hmm. and the know your rights movement. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good stuff that there would be to talk about while I stare at him creepily. So, yeah, <laughs> definitely. His uh, contention with the NFL would be something good. Mm -hmm. What inspired him that first day to kneel, right? Because a lot of us protest injustice in our heads. A lot of us see the wrong in the world. What was the moment? What was that inspiration? Mm -hmm. What happened in his energy that day to make him kneel, to make him sit down? Right. What happened? I want to know that. And his work with the Know Your Rights movement, he has, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know, if you follow him, but he's a movement called Know Your Rights where he goes around to like schools that have people of color Mm -hmm. and he teaches them like what their rights are. So there's a lot of stuff, really good stuff that he's doing to promote social change and to help people of color. So we could definitely talk about that. And then, you know, you said you wanted to know what his energy was at that moment. Yeah. And I'm curious what kept that energy going through all of the controversy. Yes. Through, you know, he had some powerful people telling him to stop. Absolutely. So I, I think that would be a fascinating conversation. When you go against like American football, it's like the backbone of America. And mm-hmm. he took those people on yeah. almost single handedly. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like yeah. you said, very powerful, mm-hmm. very rich, yep. very influential mm-hmm. people. He single handedly took them on. Yeah. That kind of courage and bravery. Mm-hmm. And um, for such and for such a noble cause, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? For something that people needed to have their attention turned to. Mm-hmm. For something that people were turning a blind eye to for quite some time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it really sparked conversation. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, like you said, he took on some very powerful people and for a very noble cause Mm -hmm. and still to this day, still carrying that cause and carrying the consequences of speaking up, of being the voice for those who were were voiceless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. So I only did one. All right. (laughs) I didn't do the brains and the loins, but (laughs) I think I would put both of them into this category. Okay, let's hear it. Trevor Noah. Oh, that's a good one. I know, isn't it? That's a a really good one. Okay. I know. Um, Have you seen Between the Scenes with him? Are you talking about his most recent um, 
I've seen his comedy specials. What is Between the Scenes? So Between the Scenes is on The Daily Show when they're at commercial breaks. Okay. He's just chatting with the audience. I've seen a couple of clips of that. Yeah, so there's clips of that, and it's incredible. Mm -hmm. Like, the way that he is on the fly, he's so witty. He's so smart. Mm -hmm. I mean what he covers blows my mind and I feel like he, the way that he's educating people in a really kind of gentle mm -hmm. comical but yet yes. very poignant way and is so sexy uh-huh very that is sexy to me you yeah. know what I mean like he's raising such awareness and he's doing it in a non-controversial way which I feel like can pull some people that that might yes. be really defensive otherwise it's important to make things palatable and yeah that's, that's exactly. exactly that's a perfect what word he's doing yes yes so and he's, he's not very palatable exactly <laughs> <laughs> we can use that word in a couple ways <laughs> oh my god um but yeah because other people have the tendency, like if you think about what was that guy's like Rush Limbaugh or whatever, mm -hmm. they're taking their opinion and their politics and like beating you over the head with yeah. it. Whereas, like you said, with Trevor Noah, mm -hmm. he's it's very mm, smooth. He's like s just sliding it in. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, um, and he's hilarious. Mm -hmm. He's very funny. really funny. I've always liked him. Yeah, yeah. and he has. Uh, I like his story. I, you know, he really brings um, such light to his home country and mm -hmm. his upbringing and apartheid and yeah, you know, racism in, in other places. Cause you mm -hmm. think of racism or I tend to think of racism as an overtly American mm -hmm. institution, an overtly American condition. Yeah. But he's bringing light to, you know, this happens in South Africa. There's a race heat in Africa. Mm -hmm. A black man experienced racism. Think about that. Yeah. Crazy. To have him on the podcast would, would just, I mean, I, I don't even know if I could, I don't, yeah, we would we would see how that would go. Mm. <laughs> mm. Okay. But yeah, I really like Trevor. Um, great. That uh, would be great. It would be like such a funny podcast with it. Like I feel like Colin Kaepernick. He's he from when I've seen him interviewed, he seems very serious, mm -hmm. very not like a person who has a lot of levity. Right. Um, well, he probably felt like he had to become extremely serious. But it's a very serious cause that yeah. he's carrying. Mm -hmm. But do you think Oprah Winfrey would be funny? I think Oprah Winfrey, I bet her spirit is just like when she walks in the room, uh -huh. I could probably feel her even before, like when she walked in the building, you could, everybody would be like, Oprah's right. here. Do you, you know, like you, you could feel it. Do you feel, feel like it. it would be a funny spirit? I feel like it would be a commanding spirit. Yes. Yeah. Very like, like she would fill yeah, everything. Exactly. Yeah. Uh -huh. And no, not very funny, <laughs> but also, but not super serious like how Colin Kaepernick is. Right. Because so like kind of in between. Oprah has those moments. Like remember she when she was given this, she's like, you get a car, you get a car. It was kind of like, <laughs> you know, there was some fun yeah. energy in there. Yeah. So not funny, yeah. but I could see where she would have a little bit of like a fun. Yeah. You could pull a little fun. Uh, pull a little fun. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to go a little further with this since we're here. Mm -hmm. What, what else? Um, who would you have that you feel like would be funny? Who would on my show? Yeah, who would you like to have that you feel like would be a funny <gasps> podcast? Wanda Sykes. Oh, yeah. She's my favorite. I like Wanda yes, a lot. Yes, I yeah. love her. She's like my top three of all time. She's so fucking brilliant. Yeah. She's brilliant. Yeah. Who's the I, other two? I like Cat uh, Williams uh -huh. a lot. Um, And I mean, I have a, a bunch of comics that I like. I also like this. is He stopped doing comedy, but I used to really like Russell Brand. Is that weird? I've been listening to I his podcast, Under the Skin. Because he's doing that stuff now. Yeah. He doesn't do comedy anymore. But when he but did. But he's hilarious. Yeah. When he did stand up, I loved his stand. He was, it yeah. was so smart. Yeah. 
so smart. Have you listened to his talk w- with Brene Brown? He talked with Brene Brown? Yes, it's so good. I just listened to it last week. I have got to see this. It's fantastic. So okay. Under the Skin with Brene Brown. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm so, going to check it out. Yeah. I'm following him on Instagram, so there'll be like little snippets of yeah. his talks. You know, in Instagram, I think you can only get a few minutes, but mm-hmm. um, definitely if he if he talked to Brene Brown, then oh, yeah. I got to see that. I have to see that. He's really smart he as ha- well. He's got quite he's the intelligence. So smart, so well spoken. He's a very large vocabulary, yeah. and he's gone through such a transformation. Talking mm. about how you receive messages and you change your life, like when you're ready. How yeah. we talked about that. He has like done a complete 180. Yeah. From you know doing jokes to now taking on these serious causes and how he talks about life and and mm. every yeah. His spiritual evolution is fantastic. Yes, it's really inspiring. It's remarkable. It's mm-hmm. it's because it's such a huge change yeah you know yeah he's my new favorite podcast okay uh, yeah see how uh-huh. we're on the same yeah, shit getting it getting it yeah that was so fun that was like the most fun Who, what guest would you have and why is it i mean we just kept going <laughs> going <laughs> that was great i loved it gosh thank you so much thank you for having me this was so much fun so I know I said this in the beginning. This is an impromptu episode. Let me tell you that it was two nights ago when I met Candace August. Mm-hmm. I love that name. Thank you. And I asked her to do the podcast, and here we are. Mm-hmm. Was this forty-eight less than forty-eight hours later? That's right. It's amazing. Yep. I don't usually operate that way. I That's usually what you like told me. need to have the script. I have to have you know the idea come up and like in my mind, and I think it went pretty well. I think it went great. For the flow I've learned so much. Like you gave me books to read. Like yeah. this has been good. This good. was a very productive, <laughs> you know, use of this time. Good. I am. I love this. Great. I'm so yeah. excited. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm inspired, and mm-hmm. I can't wait to see you again. So please come back to Portland. Okay. I'm hoping that you have a way for people to follow you i do is this where Great. i this do is my what social you plug media yourself okay so mm-hmm. if you look up just candace uh my name is k-a-n-d-y-c-e so just candace there's a little underscore between it just underscore candace and then mm-hmm. i'm i'm that on twitter instagram facebook everything if you look up just underscore candace you you shall find me okay and i will have it in the show notes please go see candace you will be thanking me for the evening for the laughs for the medicine for the healing and say hello to her afterwards yes i love that i love that oh believe me she does yeah (laughs) yeah because i think some some people don't want to be bothered Mm -hmm. after the show Mm -hmm. please come up to me talk to me chat to me tell me which jokes you like and when I like when people, they related to the joke and they'll tell mm-hmm. me a story mm-hmm. that connects about something what I said. I love all that. Mm, that's great. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's authentic living. It that's is. life. You know, it's the thread. Um, let me just tell you, she had earbuds in and I still walked up. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. You, you know what? And I was not I did not because a lot of people use that as a mechanism. Right. They uh-huh. put on their headphones because they want to not be bothered. Yeah. I was watching my set. Oh, okay. That's why I had to. Yeah, it didn't stop me. Yeah. I saw him. I was like, I'm still going in. <laughs> yeah, I totally, I was totally open. My energy was open. Yeah, I felt it. Yeah. I can, I would have felt if it was closed off. So yeah. you're so warm and friendly and Thank lovely. You. And I hope so. I'm trying um, to live my life right. I'm I hope you all to. see the picture that's up on, on the website because she's absolutely gorgeous oh, with a beautiful smile and fantastic energy. I want to do this podcast all the time. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> I want everyone to go see her. She knocked my socks off. It was incredible. 
uh, I guess we're going to wrap up then for today. We're done. Maybe right. this will be to be continued, though. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I would love to come back when I come back. Ab- yeah. Oh, my, my couch, my chairs, and my living room is definitely here for you. Awesome. So uh, from Portland, Oregon here, we're signing off. And with that, let's normalize the struggles, celebrate the quirks, and lean into the light. From myself and Beezus the Brave. <laughs> Happy Wild Heart Revolution, friends. Yes, you guys. Thank you for having me. And to all a good night. Good <laughs> night. <laughs> Yay. That was Thank awesome. you so much. That was so good. I think we talked for like three hours. What? what? <laughs>